Uh, it's a blessing to be here. We're going to be in Second uh, Peter this morning. And uh, as we're looking there, the, the concept that we want to think about is that faith in Christ is just the beginning. Faith in Christ is just the beginning. Now, last weekend, uh, we had unusual experiences in our house. We came back from a few days away to have an air conditioner out. In fact, last Sunday afternoon, it got up to 100 degrees inside our house. Thankfully, first thing Monday, they were there rolling in with a new unit. The guy who put the last unit on for us was the guy putting the unit on this time. So that was kind of funny. Uh, but we got a new unit. It's working well. But last Sunday, we had one of our grandsons here, Avery, our oldest grandson, or older. There's two of them. And Avery was, uh, when he was a baby, he couldn't do much of anything. You know, you wouldn't go by his crib and say, straighten up that mess, boy. Put away those toys. He couldn't do it at all. In fact, I'm not sure he can do it yet, but uh, he's working at it. But he grew. And I remember the first time I held him, he was this tiny, itty-bitty little thing. And now he's lanky. I hold him up here and his feet are banging my knees, which I can handle now. That's a good thing. But, But listen, in every area of life, we expect growth. When you go to school and you get in first grade and you're in math class, they don't talk calculus to you. They work you up to it. Some folks, not everybody, but they work you up to it eventually. And in every area of life, we expect this kind of progress. I mean, you know that the very first lesson that Savannah had on the piano with Kathy, how many years ago was that? Twelve years ago? That first lesson, she didn't sit and play like she does now. (laughs) She did. She put her hands on the keys and made noise, just like she still does. Yep. But listen, when it comes to spiritual things, Sometimes people are content to just be on their way to heaven. And you talk to them about spiritual growth and development. I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior for me. You know, back in August of 1976, I trusted Christ as my Savior. And I'm going to heaven. Praise the Lord. And truly, praise the Lord if you're going to heaven. But God wants more than just you on your way to heaven. He wants you to grow and mature. Uh, look in verse 4 of 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4. Uh, the first few words here, he says, uh, I'm sorry, verse 5, but also for this very reason. For what very reason? It goes back to what he wrote before. So the beginning of verse 5, he says, for this very reason. And we go back to the verses before that where Simon introduced himself, Simon Peter, the name Jesus gave him, the name his mom gave him, put together, a bondservant, an apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who have obtained, obtained, you have already received it, like precious faith with us by the righteousness of God, our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us 
all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything you need to live well now, God has given to you, or he's given you the capacity to learn, adapt, and grow. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him, through knowing Jesus, who has called us by glory and virtue, by which um, have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises overflowing the cup, exceeding great and precious promises that through these ye may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, last Sunday we spent time talking about this, the greatness of this salvation that God has given to us. Amazing and wow, this is great. But it doesn't stop. For this very reason, because of all that God has done, is doing, and will do on your behalf, giving all diligence. What does that mean, giving all diligence? Have you ever seen a kid get told to go outside and pull weeds? Have you seen him go at it with diligence? I never have. With diligence, it's like a dog going for a bone or a cat going for catnip. Just going after it. you got to have it. Diligence. Giving all diligence. See, it's great if you're saved, if you have trusted Christ as your Savior, if you've asked Him to forgive your sins and save your soul. Praise the Lord. If you've done that, then you are my brother or my sister in Christ. We're going to spend eternity together worshiping, praising Jesus Christ. We're going to gather around his throne and all of us, billions of believers, we're going to sing, worthy is the lamb that was slain. But God wants more from you than just getting to heaven. Giving all Diligence. This is hard work. This is tough. This is working with your heart, soul, and body. Look what he says to do. Giving all diligence, add to your faith. Faith in Christ is just the beginning. Add to your faith. And then he describes things we need to add. Add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. I'm sorry, to brotherly kindness, love. Yeah. So as we're adding these things, we're building in, uh, then there's different ways that people look at this. Uh, and this next slide shows there's a picture of a wheel and there's a picture of a stair. Of stairs, I guess, not a stair. There's more than one. And so some have this idea that you're walking up the stairs. You're adding to your faith virtue and then to virtue knowledge and then and you're building up and you're moving up the steps, getting closer and closer to Christ's likeness. Uh, Jeff laughs, Jeff Miller, she and Cher, he and Cherry are out of town this morning. And Jeff jokes about, you know, an, another step up on the rung in the church and different things. That, well, the first time he was asked to pray in a church service, he's like, ooh, another rung, you know. Uh, but so this, these steps, and, and some people look at it as a wheel. So that you gotta have all of these things or else your wheel has a flat tire and you go down kathunking along through life. 
There's another way to look at it. And this is interconnected gears all fitting together. And so you need some, and you need more growth in some areas, but you need it all to work together. And, and they do build on each other, but they also need to keep working. You need to keep working at each one of them. So let's go back to this idea that faith in Christ is just the beginning. So you're going to add to your faith. And what's the first thing you add? Virtue. Virtue is moral excellence. See, faith in God, faith in Christ should lead to high moral values. You shouldn't say, oh, I believe in Christ. I've trusted Christ as my Savior, and I'm going to help fund the church's building program by going and robbing from the bank. No, you should have a higher moral standard than that. By the way, there was a deacon who did that. A deacon in a Baptist church in Nebraska. Got to watch out for those deacons in Baptist churches, don't you, Clorinda? And, and her husband's one of our deacons. But, but as you, this deacon, he was a mechanical, mathematical genius. And so he went and figured out a way to predict slot machines in Vegas and to get the big winner. And so he went to Vegas and he took home $250,000, gave it to his church, paid for the whole thing. And, and oh, he was so pleased that God used his genius. Well, somewhere along the line, he told somebody who told somebody who told a treasury agent who came and arrested him, who demanded the money back from the church. The church couldn't pay the money. The government seized the church, sold the church to pay the debt. The deacon who thought he was helping the church destroyed the church. It is no more. And he went to prison. You can't honor God through devious means. The end does not justify the means. The means have to be right in order for the end to be right. You can't get on the wrong bus and end up in the right place. So add to your faith virtue. Um, Moral excellence, moving toward Christ, naturally moves you toward good things and away from not so good things. You want to be noble. You want to be honorable. You want to do what your mom told you when you were little. Be good, right? Um, Ecclesiastes 12.14 says, For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. So we know this is going to happen, and we know God wants us to do good. And so what I've experienced as a pastor, I've had people, different people, different times, some affiliated with our church, some not, and they want to know, what's God's will for my life? What's God's will for my life? And I sat talking with a person, and I want to know God's will for my life. And I shared what we already know God has already revealed, right? We know some of the things God wants for everybody, Right? And so I shared with him a couple of things. Well, he happened to be in a relationship with his girlfriend, living with her, not married, inappropriate relationship, and he wanted to know God's will for his life. And I said, start there. You know that's not what God wants. Will God forgive that? Yes, he's God, right? That, that's what he does. But we have to acknowledge it's sin, repent of it, and then let God bless us. And so... Uh, People want to know what's God's will. I'll tell you, the best way to know what God's will is for your life, start doing what you already know is His will. 
If you know he wants you to honor your parents, honor your parents. If you know he wants you not to lie or cheat and steal, then don't lie or cheat and steal. Honor what you already know, and then God will reveal more to you as you grow in your relationship with him. Faith leads to virtue. We desire to walk with Christ once we have received him as our Savior. And then virtue leads to knowledge. We must learn his word and learn of Christ so we can be on the right path. You can't sit and meditate and burn incense and pray and say, Oh God, reveal your will. You see, you already have a tool God has used to reveal his will. This is a book called the Bible, written by the Holy Spirit of God. He used different men to write it, and we'll look at that another day. But this is God's Word. Learn it, read it, study it, look at it, memorize parts of it, and and obey what you have already learned. Virtue leads to knowledge. Knowledge gives us the capacity to show discernment, to have wisdom in the decisions of life. All right, kids, do not try this at home. One of my brothers was a fledgling experimenter, and he had the mom had the stovetop on, and it was an electric stove. And so we used to have gas. With a gas stove, you see flames. With the electric one, you don't see flames. This thing just lights up like a pretty little light. And he wondered if it was really hot enough to burn something. And so he came up with the brilliant idea of sitting a paper towel on it to see if it was actually hot enough to burn the paper towel. And he decided he better not just lay the whole thing on there. He'll just hold it over it. So he's holding the corner of a paper towel, and he touches this corner to the burner. What do you think happened? The whole thing just whoosh. He ended up not having any hair on the back of his hand. It just singed it right off. Don't try that at home, kids. He didn't have discernment. You've you've heard that old joke. What's a redneck's famous last words? Hey, y'all, watch this. They, They don't have discernment. Some of you have never heard that before, huh? So maybe you haven't lived in Texas like I did and knew a lot of those fellows. Uh, but, but listen, you learn discernment. So you actually learn that you can't do things without hurting your body. And you can't do things without hurting your spirit. And so you learn to distinguish between what's bad what's good, what's better, and what's best. And that discernment comes from a dedication of your life, discipline, I, I'm, I mean, sorry, diligence, and then adding virtue and adding knowledge so that you can know what's good and appropriate. As a direct result of that wisdom that you gain, knowledge leads to self-control. My brother has never in his life since that day touched an electric burner with anything other than a pot or pan that needed to sit on it. He learned. That knowledge leads to discernment. That discernment leads to self-control. You don't do those things.
Once we have Christ and he's given us what we need for life and godliness, like he said here, then we can develop discernment that leads us to do what's right, to avoid what's clearly wrong, and even avoid what's distracting or sidetracking. Self-control not only helps you not steal or lie or dishonor your parents or commit murder, but it also helps you eat healthfully. It helps you exercise regularly, as much as you can anyway. It helps you read your Bible and pray daily. And I know some of you may say, well, I just don't remember that much. Well, the discipline of doing it every day helps you. Even if you're not going to remember five weeks from now what you read today, five weeks from now, I'm not going to remember what I ate today. But the meal is going to help me, hopefully, be more healthful. So self-control helps you. And in God's amazing grace, self-control can even limit what comes out of your mouth so that you don't pop off with the first thing that you want to say. You limit it so that what comes out of your mouth is something that it has grace that can minister to other people. Now, some of you just kind of naturally control what you say. How many of you have had problems in your life where your mouth has opened up and popped off, and as soon as you said it, you regretted it? Uh, yeah. Some of you raise your hands. Some of you are lying and didn't raise your hand. Some of you maybe really never did that. Some of us excelled at it. And Christ had to really do a work to change our hearts and lives. But you can change. You can grow. Self-control is a spiritual discipline that we develop in our lives. And we all have the potential. See, you're not stuck. You can grow and change. I've used myself as an illustration before, but I was a junk food junkie. I, I ate cookies literally by the dozen. Uh, Kathy baked twice a week double batches just to keep up with my cookie intake. Poor kids, she got tired of baking for me and didn't bake as much for them, but uh, I did. I, and then guess what happened? I became diabetic. <gasps> Shock, right? No. Everyone said that's what was going to happen, but I just liked cookies and candy and junk so much. And so... I felt like I was stuck. But the other day, Megan and I were talking about this. Why on earth, out of the blue, we both wanted donuts. Just, just really wanted, and she was, we weren't together, thankfully, or we probably would have ended up with donuts. But I haven't eaten a donut in more than a decade. And I just really wanted a donut. But my self-control said, no. The last time I ate one, I was sick for almost a week. My blood sugar was crazy. So we can develop self-control that impacts all kinds of areas of our life. And then self-control leads to persecution. He said, perseverance, sorry. It does lead to a little persecution, but hey. To knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance. Make sure I got it right that time. <laughs> See, I can't control every word that comes out, but I, I can correct it as quickly as I can. So a perseverance is um, a patient endurance. 
This is putting in the time. This is like an athlete in training. And they're working out and working out and working out and working out. And then the game or the race or uh, whatever it is, the match. And so they're ready for it. And so that, that discipline, that perseverance, that patient endurance, putting in the time and effort and energy... Uh, that it gives you the ability to follow a Christ-like path because God has given you the capacity and now you have matured and you have developed and you can persevere. When I went to Marine Corps boot camp, I was really super skinny. And I, I was six foot two and weighed 120 pounds. My dad used to say when it rained, I had to run around just so I could get wet. Uh, but you know, when, when I was in boot camp and the very first thing challenge, we had, we had to do push-ups. And I thought I was doing good because I could do 10. Three months later, I graduated from Marine Corps boot camp and I could drop and do 100 with no trouble at all. How did that happen? I did thousands of them in those three months. And you build up the muscle, the endurance, the capacity. I have a leaky heart valve now, so I can't do as much. I can only do about 20 and my head starts turning bright red. But, uh, you know, we, we develop skills and abilities. And we can persevere. Some of you have faced hardships that have baffled me. I have prayed for you. I have joined with you in your suffering. But I have not endured to that level. But God can give us the patient endurance to persevere in the midst of big obstacles. And you know what happens as you grow in the Lord? Just like your physical ability. When, when a person first starts running and high jumping, right? The very first time they put the bar down really low. And the person can jump over that bar. And then what do they do? They move the bar higher and higher and higher and higher. My favorite height jumper, high jumper was a guy named uh, Franklin Jacobs. He was five foot eight and he jumped over seven feet on a bar. And I thought, I'm over six foot. And the best I could ever do was six foot. <laughs> I could never jump higher than I was tall. He jumped way higher than he was tall. But you build up the muscle, and you can build up spiritual muscle as you walk with the Lord. And perseverance then leads to godliness, the ability to follow a Christ-like path, because God has given you the capacity, and you have matured, and you have developed. When you're a brand new Christian, very few people would look at you and think, that's a good representation of Jesus Christ. But as you grow in the Lord, people might. And there have been people in my life, I've looked at them and I've said, you know, I want to try and be Christ-like like they were because they modeled it for me and they helped me see what it would look like in these circumstances. In fact, when I came to this church, I still had kind of a fear of getting old. It's about time I got over that, don't you think? But but I really did. I I knew so many old people, they couldn't do the stuff that I considered really fun, enjoyable, and a part of life. Like, I loved running. I, I was still running 5Ks in my 50s, early 50s. I'm in my late 50s now, and 
Five Ks have been gone for years. But, but I love to run. I love to mountain bike ride. I love to motocross. I, I love, and I thought, man, you get old, you can't do any of that great stuff. And I, I came to this church. And by the way, a lot of the old people that I had met were grumpy, fussy people. And I came to this church and man, there were some really cool old people. Right? Some of you remember them. Some of you now are them. Uh, but, but back then, when I came here 21 years ago, you know, it was Gene and Gene Maine. They were great. At 84 years old, I think. He's running the kitchen for our Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, Norm Shiley, in his 70s, doing all the mowing out front in the yard. And Fred St. John, still playing tricks on me in his 80s. Fred was delightful. And I met these older people, and they were having so much fun with life. I remember going home and telling my wife, I said, you know, since I've been here, I'm not afraid to get old anymore. She said, good, because I kind of want to hang on to you for a while. We can grow and we can learn and we can mature and we can build up endurance and, and we can seek godliness in our life. Not that we will ever be the embodiment of God. That's Jesus. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That's Jesus. But we can be a decent reflection We can be the moon to the sun. And we can reflect the sun to the people who can't see the sun right now. And and we have that capacity as we grow. And the godliness, brotherly kindness, where we care and have compassion. And the brotherly kindness, love. And and love is the fulfillment of all the law. The scripture says you, you can mature and develop to where you love and give your life for others and have this kindness to meet the needs of other people. 1 Corinthians 13, Paul wrote, Though I speak with tongues of men and angels and have not love, I am become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mystery and all knowledge, and though I have all faith and yet I have not love, uh, all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love. I am nothing. And then he adds, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, not something that we should do, but something that people did in that day. He said, if I don't have love, all the sacrifice, all the suffering, all the big things, all the great things, it doesn't matter. If you don't have love, you're Nothing. So it all builds up to love. The kind of love that Jesus had on the cross when he hung there in pain and agony and suffering and looked down on the ones who scorned him and abused him. And he said, Father, forgive them for they don't understand what they're doing. Love is the fulfillment of the law, Paul told the church in Rome. But your maturity is never complete. Faith in Christ is just the beginning. You have to keep growing in Christ. Paul wrote to the believers another time in Corinth, and he said, 1 Corinthians 9.27, If I discipline my body and bring it under subjection, lest when I, I'm sorry, I discipline my body and bring it under subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. Here's the Apostle Paul. A veteran preacher, evangelist, missionary, church planter saying, I still have to have self-discipline 
every day. He wrote to the Philippians in chapter 3, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ has already laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forth to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal, the mark of the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And at the very end of his time on earth, Paul wrote a letter to his young protege, Timothy. And he wrote to Timothy and he said, Timothy, hurry, get here fast, bring my coat, winter's coming, get here and with my coat, bring my books and the parchments or the scriptures that he would read and study. At that stage in his life, he was an old man. He'd been around for a long time. He had already written a dozen books that became Scripture. And now he's saying, bring me the parchment so I can study and I can grow. You never outgrow your need to grow. If you take your Bible and look in the last chapter of this book, the last verse of this book of Second Peter. In the last verse, Peter gives a challenge. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Grow. Don't stop. Add to your faith. All of these things, add to it. Faith in Christ is just the beginning. So, He tells us what we need to do, and then how do we add to our faith? This is the daily spiritual disciplines. You are what you repeatedly do. Somebody said that years ago, and I wrote it down. I liked it, and I can't remember where I first heard it. You are what you repeatedly do. So you study your Bible every day. You read it devotionally every day. You pray to God every day. You be faithful to God. You show up for church every week. You you attend Bible classes. You learn. You grow. You mature. You build on it. The daily disciplines are what help you add to your faith. Daily spiritual disciplines. And by the way, I mean, it's great if you can do a whole bunch of push-ups. But what's even better is if you can exalt Christ more. Not push yourself up. Exalt Him. And so, but, but why should you do this? I mean, this is hard work, right? He's just said you have to add all these things to your faith. This is a lot of steps or a lot of spokes or a lot of gears to connect together. How, why should we go to all this effort? I'm going to heaven, right? Why should I do all that work? I can just sit in my recliner chair and end up in heaven. Well, he gives us a few reasons why. Okay? Uh, Back in chapter 1, and uh, look in verse number 8. You've added brotherly kindness and love. For if these things are yours and abound, if you're really doing well in these areas... You will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, number one, your relationship with Jesus Christ will bear fruit in your life. There are specific, tangible benefits of being faithful to Jesus that you will enjoy in this life. 
and, and it will make a difference in this life. We don't just wait for heaven, and hey, there's some blessings. We have to wait till heaven to receive those. But if we live for Christ now and we mature in these areas, we get these gears interconnecting and the spokes all filled out and we've marched up the steps, then we are going to enjoy blessings in this life. We will not be barren. We will not be unfruitful. And secondly, you will have confidence in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Look at verse number 9. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Uh, you will have confidence. A believer who is not maturing is not going to have confidence in their relationship with Christ. If you stop reading your Bible, stop attending church, stop singing songs of praise to the Lord, stop trying to worship God together and worship God on your own, and, and you just kind of exist through life, you're going to forget how important all this is. It's not going to be significant to you. In the same way that some people uh, forget their marriage vows, you're going to forget the vows you made before God. You're going to forget what He's done in your life. A believer who is not maturing could even stop living as a Christian should. Now, young kids who trust Christ as... as Kids who trust Christ when they're young... Sometimes they grow up and, and then they feel like they're not saved and so they need to trust Christ now. And then they may say, like, I don't know when I trusted Christ. I, I experienced that a little bit, but um, I made a profession of faith when I was five, but I actually got saved when I was 16. And I, I know the difference because when I was five, I wasn't thinking about my sin or wanting a Savior, I was thinking about not wanting to go to hell. And that's all I was thinking about. And, and then, but, but some kids, they can't remember what was going through their mind, going through their head. And so they think, maybe I didn't really get saved. Well, maybe you did, and you just didn't grow up. And if you don't grow, you can forget. But if you grow, you remember. And so maturity helps that confidence. And not only that, but it also helps you live without regret. I shared this illustration before, but I think it was a long time ago. I can't remember when I last shared it. The other day, right? Um, this guy, there was a lady in our church when I was pastoring in Saurita. Her name was Ramona. And Ramona Tonnery had been up to the hospice uh, visiting somebody there. And there was another guy in a hospice. And their family, his family was really upset. And they were crying, and they weren't sure the guy who was dying was a believer. And they were very concerned. And so she said, would you like my pastor to come and visit him? And so uh, Ramona gave me a call, and the next day I went on the road, and I went up, drove up to Tucson, and because uh, we live 30 miles south of there. And I, I drove up there, and I visited with this man in hospice. And when I first got there, he, he seemed unconscious. And so I just did what I often do in those circumstances. I start reading the scripture. And then often people will wake up and then start talking to you. And he woke up and he started talking to me. And I started talking to him about the Lord and what it means to be saved and have your sins forgiven and know that you could go to heaven when you die because we're all going to die, right? And the Bible says, after this, the judgment 
It is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. We're all going to die, and we're all going to stand before God. And so I was talking to him about that. And while we were talking, his wife and daughter slipped in, and they just stayed quiet uh, over in the side. He couldn't see them. He was facing me, and they were back over there. They were in a dark corner, and he and I had a little light on. And as he was talking to me, he said, you know, I did that when I was a kid. I went to a revival meeting. And I prayed, and I trusted Jesus Christ, and I believed in him, and I asked him to forgive my sins. And he said, I was so excited that I could be on my way to heaven. He said, and then our family moved, and I never got back in church. And I got busy with life, and I got busy making money. He said, I forgot all about that. Is it too late for me? Can I still get into heaven? And I shared with him this passage and others. And his wife and his daughter were thrilled. His wife had gotten saved several years after they got married, and she had prayed for her husband's salvation for 50 years. And she finally found out he was a believer, just a very immature one. And when you're an immature believer, you can forget and you can have regrets. The, the, the distance between when you got saved and when you get serious and diligent about trying to follow the Lord, that time frame in between leads to regrets. And we need to follow the Lord. We can have confidence in our relationship with Jesus Christ because we're growing and maturing in that relationship. I loved years ago, I don't endorse everything he did, but Billy Graham years ago, there was a movement in America that said, God is dead. And they interviewed Billy Graham to see what he said about God is dead. And Billy Graham said, he can't be dead. I just talked to him this morning. And that kind of stopped the whole movement. You can have a relationship. So verse 9 says that he who lacks these things, in verse Eight, you're, you're not barren, you're not unfruitful, you're abounding. In verse 9, if you don't mature in these areas, you're short-sighted, you've forgotten, you're barren, you're unfruitful. And a believer who's not maturing is not behaving as a believer should. You should grow up. It doesn't matter how old you are. You have room for growth. I shared last week where my brother said, I said, God doesn't want us to stay who we are. He wants us to seek toward Christ's likeness. And my brother said, that really raises the bar, doesn't it? You know, maybe you've really matured, but you compare yourself to Christ. Everybody has room for growth. Everybody does. So if you need to add your faith, why? The first is your relationship with Christ will bear fruit in this life. Secondly, you'll have confidence in your relationship with Christ and you will not have regrets. And then number three, you will avoid some of the pitfalls that cause others to stumble in their faith. You'll avoid some of those pitfalls which cause others to stumble. Look at verse 10. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. You won't get tripped up. You'll be sure and confident and bold in that relationship that you have with the Lord because you're adding to your faith. 
Believing in Christ is the beginning. It's a great beginning. It's a fantastic beginning. It's an amazing, wonderful blessing of life to have your sins forgiven and belong in the family of God. But God wants you to grow and mature in that relationship. And some people who are not growing and not... How many of you, you you know people have done that, right? They've been active in church. They've been serving God and then boom. It's like they fall on their face. Some of them get caught up using drugs. Some of them just drift away from the Lord. Sometimes marriages fall apart. Sometimes families fall apart. Sometimes churches fall apart because of people who stop growing in the Lord. And they stumble and they fall and other people get hurt. And we can avoid that if we're diligent to grow and mature in the faith. He's not saying you'll never sin. The only person who never sinned was Jesus. I can tell you have to struggle with sin because you're still breathing. When you stop breathing, you will stop struggling with sin and you'll go be with the Lord. You can't become perfect, but you can avoid a lot of the areas where people stumble and fall away. And then there's one last thing. You will have a glorious homecoming in the presence of the Lord. Here's the fourth reason why. A glorious homecoming in the presence of the Lord. Look at verse 11. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wow. What, a, what an entrance. It'd be like, like hearing your coach come up to you and saying, that was a great game. That, that was a good race. I was so proud of how you won that match. Only it's exemplified. God could say to you, well done. Good job. So you'll have a glorious homecoming in the presence of the Lord. And when you're with the Lord, you're not going to think, man, I wish I'd had more money on planet Earth. You know, one of the business personal productivity writers that I follow, he says, nobody ever gets to the end of their life and said, man, I wish I'd spent more time in the office and less time with my family. Nobody says that at the end of their life, but they do that. And so Paul said, let's get diligent. Let's get serious. Let's add to their faith. Let's build on what God has already done. And let's mature and let's grow in the faith. Peter said that. Peter's developing this argument. Peter's encouraging us to grow and mature. In fact, Peter and Paul helped each other grow and mature. And they gave reference to that in the scripture. Somebody asked Chellis, Pablos Casals, why he kept practicing so many hours a day when he had been on the concert tool, his tour, his whole life long, and he was now in his 80s. He'd been on a concert tour for more than 60 years. I love his answer. Why do you keep practicing so much? He said, because I think I'm getting better. That's what we need to be doing. I think I'm getting better. Why do you read your Bible? I think I'm understanding it a little more. Why do you pray to God so much? I think I'm getting closer to Him. 
Why are you so diligent about adding virtue and then adding all these other characteristics and building on your faith? Because I think I'm getting better. Faith in Christ is just the beginning. You need to be adding to your faith. So look at that list of things to add. Virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love. Are those showing up in your life regularly, clearly, boldly? Or is there something you need to do to shift that so that the life of Christ might be direct, reflected in your life? We're going to sing a hymn called All for Jesus, All for Jesus. And we're going to sing a couple of these verses in just a moment. But as Kathy begins to play that song for us, I want you to look into your own heart, your own life, and ask yourself, a couple of questions. The first is, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you know that if by chance you died this very day, would you be in the presence of the Lord? Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Have you asked Him to forgive your sins and save your soul? That's the first thing. The second thing is, are you growing in your relationship with Christ? And I'll tell you what, I, I can promise you, if you will write down this prayer request and every day this week pray, God, show me some area I need to grow. Show me something I need to work on. He'll show you. The Holy Spirit will speak into your life or your daily Bible reading. It'll show up and you'll be like, wow, that's exactly what I needed to hear. Because God wants to help you. He's given you what you need. And now he wants to help you in the process so that you can grow and mature and become more like Jesus Christ. And if you do that, then the end of the week, you could have less regrets. And if you don't do that, you could very likely have more regrets. Because when we make poor choices, poor choices impact our lives. And we make good and godly choices, they impact our lives too. What is it you need to do for you to walk closer with the Lord? Father, thank you for your word. I pray that we would truly study and learn and grow and dedicate ourselves and, and maybe make a list of these things and put them on our mirror and think about them and reflect back on it and go back to this passage of Scripture regularly. And, and grade ourselves, give ourselves a, a self-assessment to see how we're doing. Because someday, this is the grading scale that will matter and not the grading scale that exists on planet Earth. Help us to grow. In Jesus' name, amen.